Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. You see Andy Anders beside me on the screen. It is time to talk Big Ten football, college football playoff, uh, committee decisions made, curiously in some cases, as uh, the regular season is over, Andy, and we are on to the postseason. It is time for the college football playoff. Ohio State in, as we all expected, I think, after they beat Northwestern, uh, those arguing that Six games wasn't enough. We're clearly um, disproven by the playoff committee. Mm-hmm. I agree with the top four that was selected. I wouldn't have minded seeing Texas A&M above Notre Dame just because I think a potential third game between Clemson and Notre Dame would be ludicrous yep. were to happen. But I, I can respect putting Notre Dame in there at four. Um, other than that, nice to see a Big Ten team make the postseason. It is, it is, and we want to welcome everybody who's watching this podcast uh, live today on Twitch. Uh, hit that little heart button in the lower right-hand side of the screen. Follow us. You'll get a notification every time we broadcast. We are broadcasting to you live on the Chris Landry Football Network, and you get all the podcasts, all the leagues, all the topics about football that you care about, recruiting, fantasy football, NFL, scout film breakdown, college, and everything else at Landry Football. Dot com. All right, uh, let's go. Did they get the right four teams? You say yes. I think I say yes as well. I understand people saying Notre Dame lost by a lot to Clemson. They also beat Clemson, you know, and I know they beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, Andy, but they didn't beat Clemson because of DJ Ungalele was terrible that night. They beat Clemson, I thought, because they were the better team that night against Clemson. I would agree with you there. They shut down Travis Etienne, which they failed to do in the ACC title game. Etienne showed why he's probably the best running back in America, either him or Najee Harris. And I think uh, really Clemson just addressed a lot of the issues that they had in that first Notre Dame game and were able to overcome it. And quarterback play wasn't an issue they had in that first Notre Dame game. DJ Yungalele had a really phenomenal game. Now, you and I have both talked about how we wanted to see Cincinnati make the playoffs this year, um, I think in the end, it just wasn't in the cards. Looking back and reflecting on the resumes, Cincinnati not getting to play those last few games, having all those cancellations at the end of the season was a big deal. 
Uh, they didn't get to build lose the resume at the end. Um, getting non-con failing to have non-conference games this season really hurt them. Of course, I think it was a real sham to see them ranked as low as they were. I would have yeah. put them six personally behind Texas A&M. Yep. Um, but I think it's you. You can do nothing but commend at least the season from Cincinnati. It'll be fun. I hope they absolutely dismantle Georgia in the Peach Bowl. I don't know about you, Bruce. I would love to see Cincinnati go out there and say, "Hey, you you want to keep not considering Group of Five teams? All right, let's let's prove to everybody that we can play with the big boys." Um, I, I would just I would love to see that from Cincinnati in in yeah. the I'd love to see it for Luke Fickle, and I'd love to see it for Bearcat fans, but let's be honest, Andy, it wouldn't make a lick of difference because we saw Central Florida do that to Auburn a few years ago. Yeah, They beat Auburn like a drum, and it doesn't help the Power Five. Now, I just – I don't know. I I think the playoff has to be expanded to eight in order for the Power Five to get in, and that's going to be the real – you know, showdown is if they expand it to eight and they still don't find room for a power five, that's a joke because when you watch Cincinnati play, I can look back on playoff teams and Cincinnati is as good as some teams that have made the playoff. Like they're as good as that Washington team that made the playoff years ago. Cincinnati's a really good team. So Michigan state, State, right? So they had, a game, a regular season game against Tulsa wiped out. Then they beat Tulsa in the championship game. I mean, I don't think you or I believes that if they had a second win over Tulsa, that would have made any difference. There's just no way Cincinnati's getting in. There's no, no way Coastal Carolina is getting in. And you mentioned, and you're absolutely right, how dumb it is that Cincinnati's ranked below two-loss Oklahoma and below three-loss Florida. How about Coastal Carolina, which is ranked, which is undefeated and ranked two spots behind Iowa State when Coastal beat Louisiana, which beat Iowa State at home? By multiple scores. Yeah. Louisiana dominated Iowa State in that game. And I really, those resumes, when you compare Iowa State's resume with Coastal's, Coastal has some good wins on there. Yeah. Yeah. Not only Louisiana, they beat BYU in a game that both teams scheduled impromptu. That was a tremendous I, – I thought that was a tremendous COVID thing. It you was. You Coastal more respect than that than to put them behind not one but two or three lost teams. And I, the argument from the committee for Iowa State was essentially that they beat Oklahoma. This is a down year for Oklahoma. I know they've been surging as of late. I know they came back and beat Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game, which somehow didn't drop them enough. I don't know. Why even play the games anymore, Bruce? Right. If we're not going to drop teams after they lose to third-string quarterbacks when on a with on teams with losing records, Bruce, why even play the games anymore? Let's just pick the four teams that we like before the season, the big brands, and put them in the playoff. That's what this year's playoff felt like. The group of five, you make your own playoff or push for an expansion because you have no chance under the current system. None. Yeah. Well, I think we might each have something to say about that, and you can't handle the truth a little bit later on yes. in the podcast. Let's get to uh, Ohio State against Northwestern. The Buckeyes, uh, if you had said, hey, for Ohio State to win this game, Andy, Trey Sermon is going to have to set an Ohio State single game rushing record. I'd have said, 
oh, that's going to be an awfully tough Sunday in Columbus, Ohio. But he did it. 331 rushing yards for the Oklahoma transfer. Yet, how does Ohio State score only 22 points with a running back that rushed for 331 yards? Well, there might be a formula for Fields. Uh, we both we both write for another outlet called Press Pros Magazine. Um, I do Ohio State football coverage versus primarily Ohio State basketball, some other work for them. Uh, one of my main takeaways, I do a notebook for every Ohio State game. One of my main takeaways was, you know, talking about there's now a formula that's been shown for Fields. Don't get me wrong. I think Justin Fields is maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen play at Ohio State. I think he's, you know, deserves to be considered among the nation's best quarterbacks. But Indiana and Northwestern this year played very similar defenses and he had major issues against both teams. He's still productive against Indiana. They just were able to force a lot of turn, three interceptions from him. Um, the most he's ever thrown at Ohio State. And then Northwestern, he finished 10 for 24, I think was the number. So um, what th- both those teams did is they sat back and they played soft zone and it took advantage of the one major flaw in Justin Fields' game, and that's that he holds the ball too long. If look at when you look for those downfield shots, right, and teams were playing the backed off cover two, maybe a cover three or even cover four scheme, you don't get those deep throws down the field, the goes, the posts, maybe more of the intermediate stuff. They play a softer zone in the second level, even with the linebackers, so that some of the comeback routes are taken away. And Fields doesn't check down quick enough. He, the, the downfield stuff isn't there because of the soft zone. And that allows the rush to get home, especially when teams play zone blitz, which is what Northwestern did a lot in the first half. They got home on a lot of pressures because Fields sat in the pocket too long. This offensive line is dominant for Ohio State. I mean, you don't rush for 331 yards against a top 25 run defense without being a dominant force up front. And they were. Every single one of those long runs Trey Sermon broke off, there were a couple. He made a guy miss in the hole. But most of the time, this offensive line was getting a huge push. And most of the time, Justin Fields had ample time in the pocket. There were one or two plays where the pressure came instantly. But for the, that was only when they were overloaded. The offensive line holds, holds itself at the point of attack. It's just a matter of Fields finding a way to get the ball out of his hands quicker against the soft zone. And frankly, if he doesn't do it against Clemson, because Brett Venables is going to watch that tape, he might be the best D coordinator in the country. He's going to watch that tape, and he's going to play those kinds of defenses. He doesn't find a way to adjust to that, and Ohio State really doesn't stand a chance. I think he will because he's got one of the best quarterback coaches in the country, above him than Ryan Day, and Justin Fields is a very smart, talented quarterback. But – Indiana and Northwestern both exposed a formula for fields. I don't know. What's your view on that, Bruce? Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, obviously, Clemson is going to look at every Ohio State tape, and two of them are going to jump out. The ones that uh, you know were the closest games Ohio State played against the best teams that they played, Indiana and Northwestern, and Clemson has an array of different packages that they already run. Brent Venables is known for being able to come up with wacky formations and blitz from everywhere, and zone blitzes are kind of his thing. So uh, Justin Fields is going to have to take a crash course in that. You're right. He does have great a great, great, great quarterback coach in Ryan Day, and so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, having Chris Olave for the game – will make a huge difference, and Chris Olave was one of 22 Buckeyes not out there on Saturday because of COVID. The Big Ten, which has been uh, 
embarrassing itself at every turn all season long with its dumb six games uh, regulation to play in the Big Ten title game. Oh, wait, Ohio State only played five. Okay, let's five. Five's good. Uh, now the whole, like, myocarditis thing, 21 days. Oh, everybody else is waiting 10 days? We're going to wait 21 days. We're going to show how, you know, vigilant we are about our players. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Ohio State might have guys missing in the playoffs. So uh, 17 days. 17 is good. Um <laughs> And and I and let me it's it's hard to to say that Andy, I say it not to say that I'm against those kids playing in the game. They should play in the game. They've worked hard. They deserve to play in the game. I say it as a criticism of the Big Ten, forcing players during the regular season to abide by one set of rules, and eliminating opportunities for kids during the regular season because they wanted to send a message as to how careful they were, and. Now, when it comes down to the fact that it might cost the Big Ten something in prestige, like they don't want Ohio State to lose in the playoff, okay, well, yeah, we'll make an exception to that. So it's it sounds like I'm criticizing them doing it for Ohio State's benefit, which is really not what I'm doing. I'm criticizing the lack of foresight on the Big Ten's part to play fast and loose with young kids' love for football and desire to play football. There's there's a, a difference between my criticism being of Kevin Warren in the Big Ten office. I'm not criticizing the fact that they're make, they made the exceptions they should have made. Ohio State should have been in the Big Ten title game. Should have been they, the original rule. Yeah. They, they're getting at here. They should, have, they should allow these guys to play in this game because I think they're 100% safe. But still, some guys in the Big Ten this year sat 21 days because of that rule. Graham Mertz sat 21 days. Other players sat 21 days. And so my criticism is of the Big Ten, which I just think continues to look like it's making knee-jerk reactions all along without having any kind of logic or foresight. Here's the thing. It's a cycle. And the Big Ten wants to be this shining beacon, right? So it's almost like a, a flow chart you can make. You know, Big Ten wants to be the best, most stringent COVID conference in the, then the decision isn't well thought through because they're just trying to be better than everybody else. That's what it seems. That's what it comes off as when you make these, that no one, I didn't see anywhere before that was made 21 days. No. I saw, and I saw 14, maybe the 17. If you want to do the heart condition testing, like that's why they went to 17. I nowhere did I see 21 before that decision was made. It was just done. I, I don't know why else you do it than to say, Oh, we're taking stronger protocols than everyone else. You know, so you have this decision that's made and it, you don't think about long-term ramifications and then, oh my gosh, here are the long-term ramifications that happen. Mm-hmm. We have canceled games because of our low thresholds. We have, um, we have players that can't go in the Big Ten Championship. We have our main brand, our, our top dog, our golden goose, now can't play for the conference title game right. because we set this game minimum. And we backed out of our original schedule. This this entire conversation isn't happening if the Big Ten didn't have the knee jerk and cancel originally. Right. Forget about that. Then they get a ton of public backlash because everyone realizes, hey, this decision was stupid and should be reversed. Then they get bad optics because it just looks like they're gaming everything for Ohio State. This is the vicious cycle that the Big Ten has been in under new commissioner Kevin Warren in this COVID time. Um, and that I just. That's the that's it's, it's repeated itself three or four times now with the six game rule with the original cancellation with the twenty one day rule, Bruce. Folks, you won't get a more succinct and accurate 
summation of Big Ten failed leadership than that from Andy Anders. That was extremely well done. That's it. I mean, it was all virtue signaling. It was all, look at us, look how careful we are, without, as you said, Andy, ever thinking, what if we actually have to live by these things? What's the downside? They never thought about the downside. And then they were confronted, obviously, at every turn with the downside. So they look stupid. Kevin Warren looks stupid. And I hate to see him get away with it because then it won't lead to them getting a new commissioner who uh, won't put them in a situation like this in the future. You can say, well, the pandemic will go away. It'll never be another pandemic. Bad leadership always shows up somewhere. And so that's my issue with Kevin Warren. Uh, We are sponsored by America's betting experts. They are the largest sports and casino vendors in the U.S. Go to LandryFootball.com for a special offer. You uh, click on the link, find the uh, betting uh, outlet that's legal in your area. Could be FanDuel, could be points bet, whatever it is. And they'll match $100 up to $1,000 America's betting experts. They are the official sponsor of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. Okay, uh, let's... Let's do one non-Ohio State thing, and then we'll get back to Ohio State because there is a hiring in the Big Ten. It is a homecoming for Brett Bielema, former Wisconsin head coach. He's doing his tour of the Big Ten. He played at Iowa, he coached at Wisconsin, and now he's going to be the head coach at Illinois. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty good hire, and I don't have the... uh, It's really odd to me how uh, Ohio State fans, for some reason, have this utter disdain for Brett Bielema, and I guess... Maybe my maybe I've forgotten whatever the instance was why Ohio State fans have this utter disdain for Brett Bielema, but uh, he only beat him once, and uh, he's back at Illinois. He actually is a resident of the was born in Illinois, born on the uh, uh, western border of Illinois, and um, you know I think he'll be fine if he builds at there what he built at Wisconsin, which is what I presume he'll try to do. I, I agree with you there. Um, I thought the Smith hire when it was made was a solid hire for them. It clearly didn't work out. They've had, uh, you know, they, they had, they looked like they were trending upwards there for a couple years. Then it kind of tanked back down. Um, this year, obviously, they felt the change was needed. I, I One thing I do really like about and appreciate about the Big Ten Conference is that most teams, most teams are proactive when it comes to head coaches. Most teams realize that you need a very good head coach to be successful in college football. I honestly say out of the three major levels of football, high school, college, NFL, coaching is the most important at college, mostly because of recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go out and get your talent as a head coach in college. You don't do that in high school. Guys are just there. You don't do that in the NFL. You draft guys. So college – Coaching is kind of the most important because you have to go out and get the talent. Um, so I think this this hire, Bielma, had some success in the past. Um, really is maybe the best Illinois could have done in this situation. I think it was a really good name to pull out of the hat to kind of go in the catalog and find it to move on from Lovey Smith. And I think, uh, honestly, it's one that um, could see Illinois return to maybe that 7-8 win status. They're kind of what we talked about with Indiana before that, that peak for them isn't where it is for other big time, big tent programs. Um, although I will say there's some decent talent that comes out of Illinois every now and then, especially out of the Chicago area. So um, I'll, I'll be interested to see what peak Illinois looks like if Bielma can get them there. Yeah. I mean, he would be able, you'd think to trade on his relationships existing. I mean, he obviously made relationships, while he was at Wisconsin, and he had a certain kind of player that he recruited. 
Uh, he has, he's been at Arkansas, so he's got some relationships in the South. I think for the kind of team I expect him to build, which is a, a Wisconsin-type team, a, a play-action team, a strong tailback run team, that actually is Illinois' best bet to handle what can come up there at that stadium late in the year is that stadium is an absolute wind tunnel. And there are yeah. days where you cannot throw the ball going depending on which direction you're going in that stadium. So if he does build a strong running football team, that fits the stadium that they play in and the conditions that they play in. So we'll see what he does. And I would imagine it would take him uh, three years to really get the kind of guys in there that he wants. But uh, Illinois has had players over the years, man. I mean, I remember uh, John Cooper had a lot of trouble with Illinois. Uh, but they have gone a long time since they've had a coach who finished his tenure at Illinois with a winning record. John Makovic, the last one to do that. A lot of guys have failed since then. So uh, Bielema makes sense. And that's all you can really do is hire a guy that makes sense. Uh, some guys don't fit where they're hired. Rich Rod never fit Michigan. That, you know, kind of spread type look never fit Michigan to me. But Bielema fits at Illinois, and we'll see how he does. Uh, as for uh, the rest of the Big Ten on uh, bowl games, I honestly, Andy, uh, I think a lot of people were surprised Indiana didn't get a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, but uh, with Michael Penix out for the year, uh, I I can't say I'm real surprised because as we said on the on the early part of the podcast, uh, the committee is about brands, and Indiana, even though they had a nice year, they're not a brand in football. No, um, I, you can't handle the truth relates to them, and I'll expand on it later. But I, I honestly think they'll, um, they're built to handle Ole Miss very well. That Indiana's defense has really come on as of late, uh, especially that Wisconsin game holding the Badgers to six points when they had Graham Mertz, uh, held Maryland to 11, and they, 17 combined points the two games after Ohio State. And outside that Ohio State game, only one team has scored more than 21 points on them. Let's look at Ohio State and Clemson now, and there's a lot of different levels to this one. There's a lot that happened last year in the game. There's um, a lot that's gone on this year in the uh, in the uh, not in the not in the off season in the regular season with uh, Dabo Sweeney a few weeks ago saying that he didn't think a team that played six games played enough games to uh, qualify for the playoff, and now today. We find out that uh, of the 61 coaches in the coaches poll who voted teams, the last poll of the year is always um, publicized. You know, they have to actually disclose how they voted. Dabo Sweeney voted Ohio State number 11. He voted them the lowest in the country of any coach. Voted them yes, he voted them 11th. Uh, so uh, I will say he's consistent in his uh, viewpoint. And he certainly had to see, uh, I mean, he certainly knew that he was going to be playing Ohio State when he voted him number 11. So it's not like he uh, didn't weigh the consequences of that. So he's a guy who believes what he believes. And Ohio State fans are certainly not going to agree with what he believes. But that's where he has him, number 11. Yeah, um, so... Uh, it, the, my view on this game is Ohio State, before we talk about how the teams match up on the field, Ohio State's going to be motivated as all get out for this now. Um, they've had everyone, and I mean everyone, that's not of the Big Ten saying they don't deserve 
to be in the playoffs. I mean, Dabo didn't say it publicly. He was very diplomatic in his ESPN interview after Clemson was selected two and Ohio State was selected three. Handled it well in that moment. Um, but before it, him and Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M head coach, calling and calling out and saying these teams that only play that didn't play enough games don't really deserve a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that was what was said if you read, read between the lines that they were taking shots at Ohio State. Um, this publicized vote of Ohio State number eleven. Obviously, what happened in the game last year, you get Chris Olave back, who I'm sure will be maybe the single most fired up individual that's playing in this game because it was his mistake that ended the game last year. Yep. I won't say cost the game because no one play by one player costs a team a game, and Chris Olave had a tremendous game before that play. But he did, it ended the game. He broke the wrong way on a route, um, thought Justin Fields was scrambling. And said he was throwing to where he was supposed to be on the post, and the defender intercepted the ball in and sealed Clemson's victory in a really well fought game that had a lot of bad breaks for Ohio State. We all remember the two questionable calls by the officials. Uh, apparently, a catch in three steps isn't uh, enough to be a catch. But uh, moving past that, I, the motivation for Ohio State in this game, they have an ample amount of bulletin board material. Normally you might get one quote and run with it as a coach. Ryan Day has his choice from like five. So there's bulletin board material all over the place. There is no questioning that Ohio State has every reason to be motivated for this game beyond it being just a playoff semifinal. Um, But I – what I would also like to hear, Bruce, and what I'll get into a little bit is your thoughts on how the teams match up. What do you think about just looking at the players, looking at how two teams stack up against each other in this season beyond the motivating factors, which we know are there? How do you, how do you see this game shaking out? Well, I was trying to assess is where is Ohio State relative to Ohio State last year? Where's Clemson relative to Clemson last year? I think Ohio State is – I just don't think Ohio State's as good. Uh, defensively, when you take off All-Americans, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, first-round pick Damon Arnett, and an NFL safety in Jordan Fuller, that's a lot to lose, man. And also defensive tackles, Landers and Hamilton, were really good for Ohio State last year. So Ohio State's defense, you've seen it this year. It's not as good as it was a year ago. And J.K. Dobbins, uh, until Saturday, when Trey Sermon looked J.K. Dobbins-like, you know, Ohio State was kind of missing that that uh, difference-making back. The passing game is better. Uh, it's better with Justin Fields is, is better because he doesn't have a banged-up knee. Now he has a sprained thumb, but I would assume that'd be fine by game time on uh, January the 1st. Olave and Wilson are, are really, really special. Uh, and I actually like having defined go-to receivers more than like every... Oh, like Ohio State had six guys last year who could, you know, make a play at wide receiver, but... Alave was the go-to guy, but beyond that, you didn't really know. I like Garrett Wilson and Alave. I like the way that's ordered. As far as Clemson goes, it's hard to say you can be better defensively without a player like Isaiah Simmons, but they're bad. I think they're as good because their defensive line is way better than it was a year ago. Um, probably not as good at linebacker. Secondary is eh, kind of a wash. I, I thought they played really well early in the year. You and I talked about them on one podcast, about how su- surprised we were that they could cover as well as they cover with young corners. Uh, they've since gone a little bit backwards on that, 
and they will be under duress in the first half of the playoff semifinal because Nolan Turner, who made the game-ending interception last year at the end of the game, got thrown out for targeting late in their win over Notre Dame. So he will not be available for the first half against Ohio State. Uh, Clemson is better place-kicking than they were a year ago. So I'm not surprised to see Ohio State uh, a six-and-a-half-point underdog. I think that's a big spread. Uh, but uh, but Clemson's not as good at wide receiver as they were a year ago either. Without T. Higgins and without Justin Ross, they have good wide receivers. I'm not sure they're as good at wide receiver as they were a year ago. Lawrence obviously is better because he's a year older, and ETN, man, that dude is so good. Uh, so I think I, they're better at offensive line too. You think they're better on the offensive line? They got four new starters. Okay. No, they lost four starters. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was just thinking of Jackson Tarman because yeah. he's. He's really grown in a year, but I, they're still really good on the offense. Yeah, they're not They're not bad. So, I mean, these are two good teams, and it's a toss-up game. And guess what? Last year they were two good teams, and it was a toss-up game. And I don't think this year's game has the star power that last year's had. You know, because you knew Simmons was going to go high in the draft, and you knew that Okuda and Young would go high in the draft, and you thought Higgins would go high in the draft. And last year it just seemed to me like it had – it was just a – a crazy star power game. There's still stars in this game. Justin Fields, Chris Olave, um, and Pete Werner, I think, is a guy on defense for Ohio State that nobody talks about. Pete Werner's going to be a top two-round draft choice. Um, and then on the Clemson side, of course, you've got ETN, and you've got uh, Lawrence, and you've got Brissy on the defensive line for Clemson. So, hey, it's a star power game, man. That 2-3 semifinal uh, a year ago was a beast, and it's going to be a beast again. Yes, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a really good game. For Ohio State, the question for me is they haven't put it all together yet with this team. Six games in, we've seen the the defensive line, especially the interior. I think Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai actually went on the field together, look better to me than any two combination of defensive tackles they had last season. Um, they don't have the bell cow rush in like they did Chase Young or the Boses in the past. But they have steady guys out there. Cooper does well. Tyreek Smith does well. Tyler Friday, Javante, Gene Baptiste haven't been as pleased with Zach Harrison considering his five-star recruiting ranking. But maybe in the future he'll develop that. Um, at linebacker, I think they're better than last year. You've got a whole host of experienced upper-class guys. Hopefully Baron Browning is back. I think that'll be Kind of an that's kind of an underrated absence for them against Northwestern. I think he brings a lot of things to the defense. People don't realize a lot of athleticism and space at that same position. Um, we've seen this front seven can actually be really dominant for Ohio State. They were in the second half against Northwestern. They were against Michigan State. They were in some other games. Ohio State's the top ten run defense. Um, people don't because of the holes in the secondary. People haven't talked about that, but they're a top ten run defense. They actually have the tools, if the secondary isn't getting completely demolished, to contain Travis Etienne, I think. Uh, on offense, we've seen the running game can be dominant. We know how good the offensive line is. On The passing game can be dominant. We've never seen all of those units, front seven, running game, passing game, be dominant all at once in a game this season. I think if this were a full 13-game season for Ohio State, they would be operating at that peak performance right now, and I would feel more confident about them heading into this game. Mm -hmm. Problem is, they didn't have time to sort all those pieces out. Not their fault. 
COVID obviously threw a wrench in their plans, and there's nothing to be said for overcoming all of that adversity, as Ryan Day said. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it there was the top, proper time for those pieces to fall into place and to make up for the holes that are obviously there in the secondary that Clemson will take advantage of. Clemson has holes in its secondary, especially with the first half out of Nolan Turner. I think Justin Fields, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. If the Fields finds a way to – and they find a way to counter Clemson's defensive schemes, and they did last year. They found a lot of success in the first half. Um, and I think they can really find a lot of ground against this Clemson secondary. But I think at the end of the day, it all has to fall in place for Ohio State, and it's already fallen into place for Clemson, who looked like the best team in the country against Notre Dame. So, um, honestly, I don't, I've never once in my life picked against Ohio State, and I think I will be picking against Ohio State when I submit my predictions come playoff time just because I think it didn't have time to digest for Ohio State this year, unfortunately. But all that being said, I do think they have a shot to win this game if it does. Um, and it will be, I think, a really good game regardless. Um, I just think it's it comes down to everything has to fall into place for Ohio State. Yeah, I think you you nailed that. I don't think it's any uh, secret that most Ohio State fans realize this team's not as good as last year's team. Uh, but it doesn't mean it can't win this game. It can. Uh, I see two two distinct differences for Clemson, one for Clemson, one for Ohio State, that, that each team will have to deal with, that they didn't have to deal with a year ago. Clemson tight end, non-existent last year. They got Braden Galloway back for the game but they didn't really incorporate Braden Galloway. They use the tight end a lot now, and that complicates things. And let's face it, Ohio State defense last year in that game was victimized at linebacker with the constant and very timely screen passes to Travis Etienne. They took advantage of Ohio State's linebackers last year. Now you bring the tight end into it, and they got more to think about. The linebackers have more to think about. That's what's different about Clemson. What's different about Ohio State is a healthy Justin Fields and a Justin Fields who the Ohio State Buckeyes have not had to run, but now you can run him, and I think they will run him. And uh, we saw last year the surprise Clemson pulled on Ohio State was Trevor Lawrence as a runner. I don't think Ohio State thought Trevor Lawrence would run. He had the big, long touchdown run in the game. He converted a bunch of third downs in the game. So uh, Clemson will have to deal with Justin Fields as a runner this year, and because he had a uh, banged-up knee last year, they didn't really have to deal with that. There's no reason for Ohio State to try to save Justin Fields this year. You're in the college football playoff semifinals, and if you don't win, you don't move on. So I would assume that Justin Fields is going to be prominently featured in the run game for Ohio State, and that's always a problem for defenses to deal with a mobile quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mobile quarterbacks complicate defenses. I think the factor of Justin Fields' legs is certainly one that Ryan Day is going to have to take advantage of to open up this offense on the ground. Uh, Trey Sermon ain't rushing for 331 yards against Clemson. Uh, so. It's him bursting as of late, and I think that's a huge development for Ohio State. I think it gives them a lot more of a chance in this game than I thought they may have had before, that they can they have a dominant back on the ground who's actually, I would hope, used in the feature role. No offense to Master Teague if he's back from his injury, but um, he, Trey Sermon clearly had the best, looked the best of the two in that game. It was breaking a lot of tackles, making a lot of guys miss, and they're going to need that again. Clemson. Um, but that's, that's kind of the uh, summation of my thoughts on the game there is that it really has to fall in place for Ohio State. And I think 
if you get the game opened up with Justin Fields' legs and that opens avenues for the pass, take advantage of some of the holes in Clemson's secondary, really the offense is going to keep them in it. And then the question will be Ohio State's secondary. How bad are they going to get picked apart by Trevor Lawrence or can they contain it? At least eliminate a lot of the big plays, which they've had trouble with this year. All right, Andy, let's uh, do our weekly feature, and I uh, think you are uh, locked and loaded and ready to go. You can't handle the truth! All right, what's your you can't handle the truth moment, Andy? Well, it's time for a change in the college football playoff structure. Um, we brought this up before, but it is absolutely obscene that Florida is still ranked seventh right now. I'm sorry, there's no defending it. And whenever I see Gary, Gary Barta get up there and try to defend it, I just laugh. I sit there and laugh on my couch. This is a team that has three losses now, sitting ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati, whose one of their losses was to a now a three and five team starting its third string quarterback. We talked about it earlier. This team gets in ahead to a New Year's Six game ahead of Indiana, who had a far stronger resume when you consider some of the Big Ten wins they did. Their only loss was by a touchdown to Ohio State. Uh, Florida lost to Texas A&M, who lost by 28 to Alabama. Obviously, they gave Alabama a little bit of the game in the SEC title game. I'm not going to knock them a lot with that loss, but losses don't seem to matter. They lost back-to-back weeks, Bruce, and yep. fell one total spot in the rankings. Half a spot per loss. Yeah, and that loss to LSU was at home. Yeah. Half a spot per loss. Yeah. I'm sorry, losing matters. I don't care who it's to. Okay, I, there's no such thing as a good loss uh, in in this sport. <laughs> to see them rank seventh is just such a detriment to the college football playoff committee. And what has become, and the main problem is that there's not a set of defying criteria. Every year we see constant hypocrisy and inconsistency from the playoff committee who says the games matter, but then Iowa State loses by multiple scores to Louisiana and is ranked ahead of a team who, like you said, beat Louisiana. So the the game the playoff committee is saying the games matter and they don't. They're just picking the brands. And if you're using the eye test exclusively, that's fine. Tell us that. Yeah. Tell us that. Say what the criteria are so we know what to expect. And so the group of five can make their own dad on playoff because they have no chance under the current structure. None. Unless they somehow managed to schedule, you know, like a, a slate that includes an Ohio State or somebody and beat them in the, in the non-conference. Um, and But that's done six or seven years in advance. Luke Fickle brought this point up. You, you schedule those games six, seven years ahead of time. So by the time a Power 5 team has it, a non-Power 5 team has a team that can compete for a playoff spot, they don't have the schedule because guess what? Here's a two-year window. Oh, it because you can't schedule games in that time. Right. So – uh, the structure is broken to say any group of five team has a chance. You'd be lying. You either need to expand it to eight, and even if you do expand it to eight, you need to change the criteria and define them. Say, this is these are the things that matter. This is how we're deciding it. Heck, leave it up to a c- computer. I don't know. Um, the BCS formula, actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. I- I'm starting to think the BCS formula did a better job of judging it based off this Florida ranking. I just can't believe it. I'm sitting here in disbelief about it um, that I would say that. But, yeah, the BCS formula did a better job of telling teams. And um, you either need to expand it to eight 
or make a separate bracket for a group of five teams and crown their own national champion because they have no chance in the current system unless serious changes and reconsiderations are made. And it's all driven by money and TV ratings too, like you said, until they're not going to expand it to eight because of the TV contracts that go to 2025. You know, that their hands are literally tied by money in this structure. So uh, there's so much broken with the playoff system right now that needs changed, that needs altered. I think it is the best system we've ever had in college football for determining a national champion. I'm not saying that, but it could be so much better. And those changes clearly need made because this ranking of Florida just, it, it, it defines everything that's wrong with it right now. I think you said that very, very well. And you gave me an opening for mine. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, that's, you're, you're so right, Andy. Uh, and, and what I want to do is the truth is, we're under this impression because this is what they told us. The committee told us and the college football commissioners told us that they wanted to institute a college football playoff so they could get the four best teams. That's a lie. Um, it's subjective. They didn't like the cold and hard, fast formula of the BCS because in the BCS, <clears throat> in one year, they nearly had what, they could not have absolutely dealt with, and that was Boise State in the national championship game. When Boise State lost to Colin Kaepernick in Nevada, that ended Boise State's chances, but they were trending to play for the national championship, finish one or two. And I think the conference commissioners realized, hey, we're going to have a year where we get maybe Boise State and TCU playing for the national title if we don't do something. So they came up with this brilliant lie, which was, well, we'll still factor in all those numbers, and then we'll have a human, you know, element. The human element is a firewall to keep the little guy out, to keep the money for the big conferences. And the only way that they could retain this current system and be true to saying that everybody has a chance to get in is to require a conference championship. That's the only way. Because that would have eliminated, in this scenario, Notre Dame, would have eliminated Texas A&M, would have eliminated Florida. And then, so what are you going to do? Put Oregon in over Cincinnati? Uh, are you going to put uh, Oklahoma in over Cincinnati? That's the only way the Power Five is ever going to have a chance, is if they require the college football playoff participants to be the, the champion of their league. Now, the leagues, the leagues have the ability to end the championship games. So if you don't want your champion, quote-unquote champion, upset in a conference championship game, then don't have one. That's fine. Make the regular season matter. But if you're going to want the money, if you're so greedy, you're going to want the money of a conference championship game, then sometime Alabama's going to lose in the SEC title game. Uh, a two-loss Florida might beat them. And so Alabama would be ineligible, and Florida would be in. That's the only way to include the little guy. Or just say... You guys, aren't, you guys aren't part of this party. You're not invited to this party. But to continue in this system where you say, oh, no, everybody's got a chance. You know, we're just hoping. That's just not true. It's never going to happen, ever going to happen, because you look at the ratings. They think Oklahoma's better than Cincinnati. They think Florida's better than Cincinnati. They think uh, uh, Iowa State's better than Coastal Carolina. And they're sit... Cincinnati and I was and and Coastal Carolina with zeros zeros on the right side of their ledger. I thought that's what you played the sport 
to do was go undefeated. And so it's a lie. They're not trying to give the little guy any piece of the pie. And they're just voting on eye test. And I'm with you, Andy, if they want to just say, we're just voting on eye test. That's what we're doing. We're voting on eye test. Strength of schedule doesn't matter. Conference championship doesn't matter. Common opponents don't matter. Then just say that. Own it. But they won't say it. They come out with this. Every year they anoint some stooge to walk out there and give you non-answer answers. This year, come on down, Gary Barta. It's your turn. You know, in the past it was Jeff Long. In the past, somebody else. And it's just insulting. It's infuriating to hear him give answers when you know basically what he's doing is just lying to you because, no, we want to turn in big ratings. We want Bama. We want Clemson. We want Ohio State. We want Notre Dame. Like, this is the perfect playoff from the conference commissioner's standpoint. It's the absolute perfect playoff. You got four huge brands. The ratings are going to be huge. So, yeah, that's what they want. That's what they got. And, And the rest of us are foolish to believe that it's anything other than that. Yeah, no, 100% to agree with you there. Um, it's just a lie we've been fed, and until actual changes are made, then it's, it's going to keep happening. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, uh, we uh, have had fun this week talking about the Clemson-Ohio State. It's going to be the fifth time, right? The fifth time yes. these two teams have played? Uh, and Ohio State has never beaten Clemson. Last year, I looked it up before they played Clemson in the semifinal a year ago. The only other team, let's see, let's let's check your Ohio State chops, Andy. Uh, One other team in history was 3-0 against Ohio State before Clemson played Ohio State for the fourth time last year. Clemson was 3-0, and there was one other team in history. They're uh, a well-known school. They are a... Uh, in the past, you know, 25 years, they've been a great football program. They've fallen off a little bit since. Uh, they play in a Power 5 league, and um, they keep paying coaches to try to get them back up to where they were, but they also were 3-0 and against Ohio State, all under the same head coach, a legendary coach. So I've given you as many hints as I can give you. I could give you the league, but I'm going to see if you can get it. I'll give you the league. You want the league? ACC, like ACC. Uh, I feel like it's Notre Dame. No, it's a it's because Ohio State's beaten Notre Dame. Well, they have. You're right. 2015. Yeah. They yeah. A, a team they've State. other than Clemson. There's one team that's Florida State. Florida State. That's right. Yeah, Florida State with Bobby Bowden, and he beat him. Uh, he beat him twice in Columbus and once in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, so, but Dabo is four and zero. Well, no, Dabo's not four and zero. Dabo's three and zero against Ohio State. He's beaten Urban Meyer twice. Not too many guys can say that. No. And and he's beaten Ryan Day once. And then the other Clemson-Ohio State game, of course, is famous in Ohio State lore because that's the game that ended with Woody Hayes helping up the Clemson linebacker after he... uh, (laughs) He helped Charlie Bauman to his feet. (laughs) He helped him up by his uh, face mask, by his neck, yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Clemson 4-0, and 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 you said it. There's a lot of bulletin board material uh, going on. We'll see if Ohio State can parlay that into a victory, and uh, that'll do it for this edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. We have our friends from the Big 12 coming up next. In defense of the Big 12, top of the hour here on the Chris Landry Football Channel. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.